What up, party people? It's your boy Tommy G here with episode 44 of the No Mercy podcast. Brought on a little special guest for this show. We threw this show together. A couple of you were clamoring that you wanted some advice on the NFL games and the college football games tomorrow. So we threw together a podcast that was unscheduled with myself, Rob, and Sports Cheetah. At Sports Cheetah on Twitter, Preston Johnson, who is a gambling fucking god. Those of you at GuruElite.com know him and worship him from all the success he's having betting uh, all the college sports and NFL. So we basically covered the whole entire wild card weekend. Everything you could imagine from bets to sides to totals to narratives to futures plays to uh, the survivor fantasy things that a lot of you guys do that I also do. Basically covered every angle of wild card weekend and Super Bowl predictions on bets that you guys can get in now. We did a lot of college football talk. Rob stayed quiet for that 20 minutes, which was awesome. Didn't have to hear him talk. So college football talk, New Year's Day. Uh, for those of you that are going to be waking up with a hangover after New Year's Eve, uh, you want to put some bets in. We gave plays on the whole slate. Uh, we talked about Rob's Elite Mafia tweet. Uh, we'll talk. You'll see that when it comes up. And uh, then a little bit on host of the year for the No Mercy Awards. So good show for you guys. A lot of gambling information in here. A lot of money to be made by clicking this play button. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, subscribe, download, review. This will be the last No Mercy pod of 2018. And from a kind of corny perspective, I just want to tell you guys, thank you. We appreciate the love and support you've shown. Appreciate all the downloads and subscriptions and just just everything you've done to kind of make this successful. It was a little little worrisome starting anything new, let alone a podcast. But uh, the results have been amazing. The feedback's been amazing. And uh, I'm excited for 2019 with you guys. To don't kill yourselves tonight. Stay alive. Be safe. And for the last time of 2018, hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? get weird it's your boy tommy g here with episode 40 something i don't even know what the fuck it is i probably said it in the intro that i record after we record this but it is the special new year's eve edition we had no intention of putting a podcast out today but myself and the alcoholic decided to put in a hard day's work right rob sweating my balls off over here for the subscribers we're so fucking dedicated it's insane but uh how are you doing robert i'm good man how about you Got any plans tonight, Tommy? No, no, I'm not a big New Year's Eve guy. I, uh, I just kind of fucking chill home usually. Sometimes I'll stroll by a local bar, but uh, I'm, it's amateur hour. I don't think. I know, you always have these theories, so I'm interested. Like, because you have like the, the Valentine's Day, right? That's when, you, that's when you run hot, right? Yeah, no, Valentine's Day is super hot. Um, you know, there's, every holiday has, you know, a pro and a con to it. New Year's Eve is just amateur hour, though. It's just, it's just a fucking shit show. And what happens is, I get a lot of uh, 2 a.m. texts and stuff like that. Ah. The girls leave. So, yeah, I just like to stay home, stay fresh. I usually bail on them and just go to sleep, but I'm not a big New Year's Eve guy. But let me ask our other guest here, special guest appearance from the Sports Cheetah, Preston Johnson, at Sports Cheetah on Twitter, our in-house gambling handicapping expert who's way better than fucking Rob in every single sport and has been destroying <laughs> NBA Destroying everything while Rob sucks all the time at everything. Cheetah, what up, motherfucker? How's it going? Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. You doing anything tonight? I'm not, man. Well, I'm hanging with family. Going to make some uh, nice little dinner, go to go to a movie before that. But yeah, keeping it uh, low-key, kind of like yourself. 
Nice. So how, how much better do you think you are than Rob at gambling? <laughs> uh, 69 times better, I think. was uh, There was a poll once. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. <laughs> I, I would have said it way higher than that. I would have had at least 100 times better. But, uh, but Cheetah, good to have you on. And the nice mm-hmm. thing about this podcast now is that we got a bunch of shit to talk about. We got the kind of first look at the NFL games this weekend. We'll talk about some NFL futures. Uh, but the big thing that you're going to help us with that we would not be able to do without you is the NCAA football uh, New Year's Day games that are going on tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, today, if you're listening Tuesday morning. So we'll pick your brain on that. And uh, and just excited to have you, bro. You've been absolutely smashing. Uh, me and Rob were joking about it on the last pod. We're waiting for you to cool off in NBA in the gambling package, and you just refuse to. Yeah, Hoops has been a nice little special run. I just can't take them for granted. It is what it is. I just try to keep running hot, but – if I ever get cold, then I'll just blame you or something. Yeah, just blame this podcast. You're over 40 units today? What? You're over 40 units? Yeah, combined hoops is over 40 now. Yeah, like the last, I think we're like on a nine and two hoops run after we kind of had a choppy like week where we probably broke even. And then, yeah, nice little run coming. We won two college hoops games already today, had two overs. So nice. uh, it's been pretty good. Yeah, things are still running You're hitting 65% right now, Cheetah, on the NBA season. So the, the NBA, I should tell people, like, that's not going to typically happen, but this NBA season was unique in the sense, and I know Rob kind of felt it too on the other end, but there was the rule changes, and the market hadn't adapted to it. In those first two weeks, like, we bet a hell of a lot of overs. We bet second half overs, and then there were a few teams I'd kind of picked out that were undervalued, overvalued, and so those first two weeks, we won, I think, like, half of them. Like, we're up, like, 31 or 32 units the NBA. And I think like 14 or 15 of them were in those first two weeks. So a good portion of it was taking advantage of that inefficient market um, just because of those rule changes. So, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. It was kind of just a lucky year and I was able to, you know, catch up on it. Well, you've been hitting like a hole because of that. Yeah. I was going to say, Rob, yourself out of it now, but yeah. 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 Rob, you started off cold uh, because of that and you've been on fire lately. Yeah, I'm up like 15 units. I, rem- I remember I kept telling you guys that the NBA, it's paced up. My model can't catch up. It can't catch up. And it's the first two weeks, and I got buried, and now I think I'm up 15 units. We've been on – it's been really good. Yeah, and these are all one-unit bets that you guys do, one unit and even sometimes half-unit bets. You know, it's yeah, very- Rob's usually smaller on some of his, like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.5. Yeah, he's got a 0. 0.3 play today, I see, you know, uh, for that 0. 0.7, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.3, and a 1. Um, in college hoops this year, I've been doing strictly one unit pretty much outside of the first week or two just to get more in line with you guys because we have the new packages and the new sites starting. So uh, to my own horn here, I'm at 60%, boys, up 17% in college basketball. And I don't even start watching this shit till January. So. <laughs> I, I've literally watched a total of eight hours of college basketball this year. So it's, this is the first time ever I've actually been up in college basketball heading into January. So we saw what happened last year. So as, as soon as one of us gets cold, then that's when you have to start watching hoops and bet it bigger. Exactly. <laughs> then you'll see. We're them. counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so we got a good little threesome going here in the basketball package. Uh, Rob, we have a special still going on for that? Yeah, yep. Uh, we, we rolled out our VIP betting package. So you get hoops. You get all the Bulls picks tomorrow, the rest of the NFL season, and NHL. Um, I think it's $99 with code SANTA20. SANTA20 still works everywhere on the site. He's still here. So um, use SANTA20. I think it's like 99 bucks. And that's for every sport, including MMA, including golf, including everything that we do there. It's basically all-encompassing package. Um, so SANTA20 for 20% off. All right, boys. Well, let's get into it. What would you think of uh, 
this this weekend here, Preston, what was your takeaway from the uh, from the games, the NFL games? Week 17 is kind of tough to bet in general. So my volume in week 17 is down. There's a ton of those, oh, well, this team must win type bets that are potentially enticing. I usually stay away from it. It seems like the other side wins a good portion of the time. You know, like the Browns covered, the Bengals covered. Um, and there were some blowouts too, like the Chiefs and Rams. I actually did bet the Rams. But uh, so I went one and one. I only ended up betting two games and I got out of a, an earlier Titans bet. And I went one and one in second half bets. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Chargers Broncos game a little bit when we discuss Chargers Baltimore, but uh, I didn't, there's no real takeaways for me. I, the, nothing that we didn't already know. And I think I'm just excited to, you know, see these wild card games kick off and, and start firing at the playoff games. All right. And Rob, what was your takeaway from this weekend Steelers? Oh, the Browns fucking suck. And so do the Steelers. So <laughs> and Mike Tomlin's the absolute nut low. That was my basic takeaway from the weekend. So speaking of takeaways from the weekend, before we get into the individual games, you seem to think, and Preston, you are unbiased and may have no idea what's going on here, okay? Because I know you've been busy all day and you're out in Vegas, which is three hours behind. So this was all going on at like probably seven in the morning your time. So okay. Rob, who's notoriously the shittiest tweeter in the history of the United States of America, <laughs> the only person who has been with this company since day one and still can't get to 10,000 followers, oh, yeah. you know, when he just... <laughs> Pounds the street with a fucking tin can begging for follows all day. Still can't do it because it's terrible. But Rob sent a tweet out this morning, Cheetah, and it says, if Mike Tomlin gets fired this week, I will give two people who retweet this an elite mafia shirt in celebration. If he stays, I'll do it anyway, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, the most important part is he basically bribed people that if they retweet his tweet, he will give them two elite mafia t-shirts. Now, I turn around. And get a phone call. Didn't even see Rob's tweet because I ignore his Twitter. I have him on mute. And the phone call is, yo, did you see my tweet? I'm like, I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, you see the traction I'm getting? I'm like, what did you do, Rob? So I go to his Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, well, you fucking bribed people to retweet it so you can get to, so they get a fucking free T-shirt. And he's like, that's not why. I'm like, then what the fuck do you think it is, Rob? Why, why are 500 people all of a sudden retweeting your tweets? 537. I think it was the timing and how I said about Tomlin, right as everyone's pissed about Tomlin. Like, Rob, it's the T-shirt. So this idiot, Preston, thinks that people are retweeting this at a rapid rate. It's up to 536 because he was so witty about Mike Tomlin. Your verdict before I let Rob plead his case. Rob's probably been crafting this tweet for weeks. <laughs> and he thought he had a good one, and he thinks it was because of the way he uh, you know, came out with it. But uh, – I would say it's the free t-shirts. I'm not sure how much those go for on this site these days. But yeah, it's like 20, 30 bucks. It takes so, half of a second to click retweet. So anyone that wants a shirt, they're going to try to do it. So I'll, I will lean towards uh, Tommy's side on this one. I think that's the and, and I should add before we let Rob take the floor, that what I did, Cheetah, was I went and dug up MLB Models' last three tweets about Mike Tomlin. And one was, what the fuck was that, Mike Tomlin? Zero retweet. <laughs> The other one, zero retweets. Yes. And the next one, one retweet. So his last three Good tweets evidence. about Mike Tomlin combined had one retweet. And this bribery one has 536. So, Robert, please plead your case on why you think this has anything to do with your lack of wit. First of all, your evidence is not admissible because it's, not, it, it, it's a timing tweet. It is about – all these head coaches are getting fired this morning, yeah. right? So yeah. I timed it. Oh. Two head coaches getting fired. Perfect. I know Steeler Nation hates Mike Tomlin. Oh, yeah. So I timed it up oh. perfectly. I inserted it 
and look what happened. It just blew up. 536 tweets. Uh, you did a little poll, like 25% of the people said it's about Tomlin. So What? Where, where, where did you get this from that poll? Your poll. You ran a poll. Why did you vote for this? Because of Tomlin or the shirt? And everybody, 25% of people said Tomlin. What do you mean everybody? 25%. Hold on. I got to go to this and see that number. Because that was 100 to zero initially when I so ran it's 20, so So anyway. It's like 135 of them then. You, you can have credit for 135 of the reasons. Where is this? I can't even find this fucking poll. Just take my word for it, Tommy. You don't need to look up the actual poll. Just take my word for it. It's 85% to 15%. Ooh, it's gone down. All right, so I shaded the number a little bit. No, it's bit gone up because Rob went and DM'd uh, his 27 followers. I got Jim on the case. Dude, the first, like, 10 comments on it are, who's Rob? <laughs> <laughs> further shirt, further shirt. <laughs> you know, like, like, none of them. None of them ever on there. But uh, anyway, so, so yeah, so Rob had nothing to do with that. Uh, Rob, if you tweeted out, if you love AIDS and cancer, retweet this for Chance and Elite Mafia t-shirt. It would have five, <laughs> it would have 527. I'll you maybe got tomorrow. nine. I'll test that tomorrow. He's like, it's a big Tom with that. First of all, about 2% of our people are Steelers fans. And about 30% of that 2% actually hate Tomlin. So you're literally talking about a target demo of like four retweets on your list. But you're garbage. Yeah, I, can't get any, I can't get any credit around yeah, you are you are complete garbage. But uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. I wanted the Steelers to get in, so let's start with this weekend's games. Uh, we'll get into some futures and stuff once we talk about the individual games. So let's start here with the Colts Texans, which is the four o'clock game on Saturday. Cheetah, uh, right now I'm seeing Texans minus two forty-seven and a half total, uh, minus one thirty on the money line for the Texans. What do you think of Andrew Luck heading to Houston in round one? Yeah, I think it's anybody's game. It's going to be tough. I think a lot of the listeners are going to want to have action on all of these games. I won't have action on the majority of them, I don't think. This is one I'll be passing my numbers, Texans minus 1.7. And I think uh, my total is right at 47, too. So unless this like moved one way or the other drastically before kickoff, I won't be getting involved. Uh, I, I, there's, I mean, the Colts, I don't remember if they've won six of their last seven, five of their last six. They have the whole started one and five, second, I think, team ever to make the playoffs after starting one and five. They're a hot team. They're probably one that I would have anticipated would be overvalued entering the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and they, I thought they were last week, even though I know everyone, once Gabbert was announced, everyone was hammering Colts and it panned out. Uh, but this is actually a pretty fair line. So I'm going to be staying away unless there's a drastic move in the market. Okay. And Rob, this is a – Colts, uh, Colts are near and dear to my heart because I actually got bludgeoned on some bad variants uh, to start yesterday. I had huge props on Jeff Wilson's overs and everything, and he got hurt in the first quarter. And then Saquon Barkley missed all his props by one. And then I had another one that was like a fucking 10-unit 10, 10 swing. But uh, the Colts saved me last night because I went all in on the Colts and then all in on the Colts second half. So I'm team Colts. Rob, where do you sit? Uh, my number is pretty close to market like Cheetah. I'm at two, but I've got a slight over lean at 48 and a half. So just like a point over. Um, I won't, I probably won't have any action on this game um, on one side or the other. All right. See, I, I think that I, last night I thought was the worst spread I've seen Vegas put out maybe all year. Um, that five and a half Colts. I wrote it in the article. I was like, this, this has no, and obviously when I, I say it, gave it up. Yeah, but I, if you look at it, they should have been up 20 at the half. Like, literally, te- the Tennessee got, like, four huge breaks and still couldn't even come close to the number. So, 
I think the Colts are undervalued here again. I thought 40 to one going into the playoffs for them to win, which Jeff Manns was talking about a lot, was very, very, very good number to be taking when you're really only looking at two other teams they need to compete with. And now looking at them underdogs against this Texans team, I would think the Colts would be almost favored here by a point or two. So I'm all in on the Colts. The total, I don't have much of a feel on, but I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I mean, I know your numbers are close, guys, but I, I, don't, I don't see any way the Colts don't win this game. I, I do think it's going to be a good game uh, that probably offers some opportunity to live bet and in-game bet. If one of these teams goes up 14, let's say, and we saw the Colts, you know, like you just mentioned, Rob, they gave away that lead against Tennessee. Even uh, if any of these teams, I think, take a lead and then try to sit on the ball, run the ball, play game control, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Andrew Luck, they're going to go down and, and get touchdowns. And so there's going to probably be an opportunity if one of these teams does take a significant double-digit lead to play back and get a team at plus six and a half or plus seven and a half range, uh, which I'd love to have on either side. So it's one I'll be watching to bet in game with, you know, a score that's supposed to be pretty high scoring. There should be some, some opportunities there. So yeah. It, so you're it, probably it, hoping for the Texans to receive the opening kick and drive down and score, right? Being that they're minus two to start, that might bump the Colts to like minus six. Sure. Yeah, you, maybe you get you get close to seven there, or even at ten zero, you for sure would probably have seven. Yeah, no, ten zero, you definitely get it. Yeah. Rob, what about you? Are you waiting for in game opportunities, halftime? Would it? No, I would definitely fire. I mean, I don't hate the idea of uh, just betting the other side of the team that scores first, honestly, because uh, I think it's a pick 'em game. So I'd take the points. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. What do you guys have? Because I know me and Kevin actually used to speak last year about how I love, I'm obsessed with playoff teasers um teasers have been shockingly good to me this year uh whereas in the past they they haven't been but this year i think we've all had some success with teasers that we've put in uh preston i know you don't do too many but i know me and rob done a lot of a lot more teasers than usual i think the sharpest lines for nfl games are this weekend right there's only four teams they're national tv games it's spread out over two games they get a good feel on the on the market throughout the week because it's all consolidated to these two games and there's no other sports going on so Whenever you see super sharp lines, and you can see it on this first game alone, you know, you have it at 1.7, Cheetah, I think, and Rob, you had it at 2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think these are great opportunities to do teasers on the first weekend at NFL. Cheetah, do you have a thought on that? I do, because I will be doing one uh, in the next two games. So uh, this is one I'm still passing on. Uh, just because it is a higher total, there's going to be a little more variance and I think a team could obviously win by 10 and it wouldn't surprise anybody, but these next two games we're going to talk about totals are, you know, between 41, 43 points. And I like both of the dogs somewhat. I think it should be closer to pick for both of them. So to get those dogs at eight and a half, uh, generally going through the two key numbers of three and seven, plus you have the sixes and the fours in there that are pretty key. Uh, that's, that is something I'm going to be looking to do and I don't disagree at all. I think it's a good opportunity in the playoffs to take advantage of what is a pretty efficient market at this point, which usually is anyways, and, and getting the value there in the teases. You know, what's funny. I did a, I think it was last year or the year before I did a four team, 13 point teaser on all four of the opening round games. And I went three and four, I went three and one. Like literally just tease the dog up 13, tease the favorite 13 over. Basically, I was just betting on Vegas to come within a, you know, double digit standard deviation. And uh, it actually hit on all three of the four, if not four of the four. Rob, what's your take on teasers this weekend? Yeah, I'm with Cheetah. I actually have a, at least, yeah, I have one teaser that I'll I'll throw out there in a little bit. I got one. So let's get to the next game here. Dallas Cowboys at home. They've been a much better home team than road team. We've all seen this. This, for those of you who, haven't been paying attention. The Cowboys are basically the New York Jets on the road, and they are the New Orleans Saints at home. 
that has been their path this year. They've been destroying people at home. All their numbers are better at home. Uh, individual players' numbers are better at home. And they're facing my dark horse to win this whole thing in the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm seeing Dallas minus two and a half, total of 43 and a half, 140 on the money line for Dallas. So, uh, Cheetah, where are you sitting at on this game? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I mentioned that I like the dog. I, I'd be betting plus three. There was a plus three that lasted for about half an hour at Bookmaker, uh, probably a few other spots. And then it got bet right back down. And now it's pushing towards two. And so this is one of the legs I would for sure be uh, teasing Seattle up to eight and a half. Uh, my number actually has this at like almost an exact pick. One of the teams, I think, is minus 0.4 is where my number is. And so uh, there's value there. One, the, It's an intriguing matchup in the sense that people that aren't aware, like Seattle actually leads the NFL in rushing yards per game. They're at 160. And, you know, in a day and age where people are trying to throw a ton, they still have been able to maximize a run game to some degree and use it to their advantage. And then it's not that they're just running a ton of plays. They're also – pretty efficient. I think in yards per attempt, they rank fourth or fifth, like getting 4.8 per carry. Uh, but on the flip side, Dallas's defense only gives up 3.8 per carry and they rank fourth or fifth. So they're both like top five in the run game. And so I think that's going to dictate ultimately where this game goes, but it is supposed to be lower scoring. It's going to be game control. You know, Dak's not going to take over and throw for three or four touchdowns. Uh, you know, Zeke's going to be healthy and they're going to be running the ball. So generally when I am teasing, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you're wanting to do it when totals are, are slightly lower. You want to be teasing Chiefs games very often or Saints games that are lined at 60 uh, when you have an opportunity to do it with a total of 41 or 40. I guess this one's moved up to 43 now, but uh, I, I still like it quite a bit. So if I can get an eight and a half on a side that I think should be, you know, just a 0.4 point underdog, uh, I'm going to be taking it more often than not. Yeah, I agree. I love teasing low total games for sure. I mean, it's, there's less points. It's going to be scored less chance of a big blowout there. So Rob, your take on this game. What do yeah, you- this total actually moved up. It was at 41 and it hit 44 and it got some buyback, got some playback down to 43. So the total has been on the move a little bit. Um, Seattle is the first leg of my teaser as well. I actually, I'm going to bet Seattle on the money line. If I can get plus 115, plus 120, something like that, I'm going to be on Seattle money line. Um, but they're the first leg of my teaser as well. I'm with Cheetah. Um, I've got them at minus one, or I'm sorry, I've got Seattle at plus one. So um, I'm more than happy to tease that thing up to eight and a half if I can, and I'm going to fire on the money line a little bit. Okay. And one of the things with this game is I just, I don't trust Dak and I overly trust Russ. So for me personally, I think this is a great opportunity. We have the Seahawks plus at 35 to one. Uh, to win it all. I think the Seahawks can always make a deep run if you have Russell Wilson. Their style is more conducive to a playoff style than it is a regular season kind of run and gun style. But this game, this total of 43 and a half, I mean, you have two teams that literally just grind fucking clock. You know, we, we could see this game end in like two hours and 25 minutes, right? Like with the, with the pace that these two play at. I think Dallas is like 23rd in the league in pace. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Seattle is like 32nd or 30th. Or they're at the bottom too. So um, would you guys have any interest in this, this total towards the under? Uh, I, I would actually 44. I didn't even realize it went there. It might've been overnight uh, or this morning, but 44 is a little high. Mine's, my number comes in at 42.2. So it's kind of right in between where it opened and where it's sitting now. So I don't have a ton of interest, but I would lean to the under. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick, and then Rob can, can give his thoughts on the total too. Um, but like when you're, worried about betting Seattle it's usually because they can't protect Russell Wilson you talked about Russell Wilson and loving him maybe overly loving him uh there's their sack rate it, it, you know offensively is really bad it's one of the worst in the league 
but you look on the other side and Dallas is actually slightly below average in sack rate this season. And so if they were playing a team like new Orleans or Chicago, who both rank in the top eight, uh, you'd be a lot more worried. And so on the flip side, you know, Dallas's defense is good, but they're not one that's really, you know, able to force a ton of pressure and cause a ton of turnovers. And um, so I think that's going to be a big difference. And also, you know, goes towards the Seattle side. So it's just another bonus. I think when you are stressing the Seattle um, bets all season long. It's usually, I think it was even against Arizona, like Russell Wilson was sacked six or seven times, I believe, uh, even against a team like the Cardinals who ranked second in sack rate for what it's worth. Uh, well, now Dallas ranks 18th. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that. And I think they're going to be okay there. Yeah, I- I'm with you guys on that one. So then on Sunday, we have the Chargers, Ravens, another two and a half point spread, another low total, 41 and a half on this one. Ravens laying two and a half to the Chargers. I mean, we got Lamar Jackson hitting the playoffs, and you know, people have teams have struggled to figure him out and figure this kind of army style offense out that they're running here, which is basically just basically run the ball, the play, run pass options, triple options. Um, Cheetah, we usually don't see this style work too often in the pros or work for a prolonged period of time, right? You see the Wildcat and Tebow. We've seen examples of these kind of gimmicky type offenses work. Do you think the Chargers are going to be able to figure out? this Ravens attack in the playoffs yeah I think the upside with Lamar Jackson through the air is just slightly better than obviously a wildcat running back but even Tebow and with time maybe he will become a more efficient passer so I think teams still have to respect his arm which is why the run games continued to work Uh, but you're right it's very similar to Seattle where they're probably the two teams left that really focus on the running game that are in the playoffs that if they are not running the ball well they're not going to win essentially and so this is going to be interesting since they just met two weeks ago. Uh, I think the line's a little high. This is the other side that I like as a teaser, getting the Chargers at eight and a half. I'd have Baltimore um, about a half point favorite. So basically pick, you know, maybe minus 115 or so on the money line. Uh, I, I get, you know, the, the Chargers, I, I was I was upsetting to me because they, so that game against Denver was pretty meaningless when Kansas City was up 35 to three in the fourth quarter. And I had bet Denver live in game at that point, thinking the Chargers would probably rest their starters Sure enough, they didn't, uh, and then they ended up scoring a touchdown late, but Melvin Gordon hurt his foot, and so he's already kind of coming back playing 80% with a knee injury as of two or three weeks back. Now his ankle's injured, so maybe that has to do with the inflation in this line a little bit, uh, and then probably is, there's something there for sure. Uh, so if he's, if he's ultimately you know 75%, 60%, who knows what he ends up being. I mean, that's going to obviously hurt the Chargers' chances, so I'm a little bit more reluctant to use them in a teaser leg. Um, but I imagine I still will. I'm going to wait till later in the week and see, obviously, where uh, Gordon's at with his health and what the report is. I'm not going to wait because I want the inflated line. I actually – I'm on the same – exact same thread as you here, Preston. Is like, I'm going to tease the Chargers and, and the Seahawks um, pretty aggressively, honestly. And I, I, I love that the line's inflated now. Uh, obviously, Gordon's being out is a concern, but um, I'm, I'm going to take the risk. Yeah, I mean, we see, we're see we seeing right now – I mean, I know it's early in the week. We're on Monday here. So, like, 95% of the volume hasn't come in on any of these games yet to look at, you know, percentage of money being bet on a certain team. But this thing opened at three from what I believe, right? This opened at three, if I'm not mistaken. It's down. Yeah, I think I bet down anyways. Yeah. yeah, and there's 70% of the bets and 80% of the money has come in on the Chargers. So, that's uh, I think I'm with you there, Rob, as far as if you want the Chargers, for someone like me – See, you better believe I'm buying the hook on all these fucking things just to go get the W on a fucking on a Sunday or Saturday. But if you're especially if you're going to tease this, you know you want to get this thing before it starts falling down. I mean, what's the lowest you guys think this can get to? I think there's a chance that this thing gets down below two. 
Yeah, it, it'll get it'll get to one and a half or one, I think, if Gordon's yeah. a go and, and and supposedly healthy. Yeah, and especially if you're doing Rob's six point teasers, which I call the cheap teaser. Um, you don't want to wait till this thing gets to one and then six point tease it for a push on seven. So right. I agree. Um, total on this game, did you guys touch on that? I was actually fixing something here on, on the side while you were talking. Yeah, total. I didn't. I, I had it a little bit higher. It was, it was uh, 40. Let me see. The other one was 42.2. This one's 42.3. So they're right there. Uh, it's a, I'd bet over at 41 if I had to, but I'd need 40 to probably really consider playing over. Rob? Yeah, I've got nothing. I, I've got nothing here. I'm right on market. Okay. Uh, final game here of the card, Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears. Eagles plus five and a half to the Bears in Soldier Field. 41 total. Minus 240 on the Bears' money line, plus 200 on the Eagles' money line. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm happy or mad about the fact that I'm on pretty much every single dog as of right now. Uh, obviously, I'm going to do a little more grind this week and research to come to a final conclusion in the article. But my first glance, I mean, I, I can't be betting against Big Dick Nick. But yeah, I'm seeing sixes now, Tommy, like across the board. Maybe your book hasn't updated yet, but I'm seeing sixes most spots. Let me see. Hold on. Me, what do you see, Cheetah? I'm so yeah, everywhere but Chris or Bookmaker is six now. Yeah. Oh, and that's why my credit line's tied to Bookmaker. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only five and a half left, basically. Yeah, I figured that out like a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm seeing seven on five dimes. Five dimes is always weird. It's always off. So you almost got to ignore te- it. It's teaser protection, yeah. Yeah, so five and a half at Bookmaker, six, six, five and a half, six, six. So, so let's call it six. So, Cheetah, where are you at? Yeah, so I do like a bet, but it doesn't exist for anybody that isn't in Vegas uh, as of yesterday. And so I bet a little bit of under 42. I had this at 39 and a half. And for me, I know people might want to get some action in. There's 41s still around. Um, But for me, the buy point's 42. So I wouldn't bet it unless it came back up some. Um, But I had this under, under 40. And honestly, it two things. One, Mitch Trubisky's done well enough since he came back from his injury. He hasn't looked great. He didn't look great uh, when they played the Niners two weeks ago and he didn't look great just this past week against Minnesota. Someone I talked to last night who was watching the games, actually a Vikings fan. He said he thought that Trubisky actually was hobbling a little and it was previously a shoulder injury, but he thinks he actually kind of uh, sprained his ankle a little bit last just yesterday. Um, so for what it's worth, uh, I would lean the Eagles side somewhat uh, at plus six, I only have it at 5.2, but it's not enough to bet this side. And the total, I think, you know, with Chicago's defense and Nick Foles and an Eagles team that's just going to try to play ball control, uh, they're not going to let Foles turn it over very often. And he doesn't turn it over very often. I think it's just going to be a lot slower game. It's another one that might end up being, you know, two and a half hours, like you were mentioning with Seattle Dallas. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy getting a 42 or better at this uh, and playing under. Okay, Rob. There's a lot of question marks for me in this game. Um, I probably will stay off, uh, although I I would like to take the points here, honestly. Um, you said Foles is good to go, or I'm seeing he's probable. I'm um, seeing that he's playing. Uh, yeah. He's playing. He's basically already come out and said he's playing. So whether that means he's 100% or 60% or somewhere in between is a different story. But Big Nick Nick, Big Dick Nick will be on the Big field. Dick Nick. Looks like he's got a rib issue. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to stay off of this game. I'm at 40 on the total, so I'm not going to have a play there. Um, but I do think I do think Philly gives him one hell of a game, particularly with, uh, with him healthy and ready to go. So I have a little bit of a kind of philosophy on these totals for these kind of opening games, especially when you're dealing with some younger teams, right, which you usually are in this wild card round. 
it seems like, and I don't know if you guys have any data on it. I probably should have prepped you before the show so you could have dug it up. It seems like these games go under more often than not. And it seems like the first half, the first quarter especially, that they tend to start off slow. Um, that may just be in my head because a lot of times I think things based on, you know, a better two. But I'm looking at last year's wild card. Uh, there was the Chiefs game, obviously, at the highest total. 14 points in the first quarter of that game. Six in the first quarter of the Falcons game. Zero in the first quarter of the Jags game. Seven in the first quarter of the Saints game. And three of these games went under 43. Uh, only the Saints game hit over. And I think it was the same year, same the year before. We saw three games kind of go under. Do you guys have any philosophy, whether it's backed by math or not, on you know starting out slow, nerves, jitters, like we will in a lot of the college games because they're 18-year-old kids? But Cheetah, have you looked into any of this stuff or have any narratives on this? Yeah, well, I mean, there is math to it because first quarter spreads or totals are are always shaded lower, anyways. Right. Like this this game, say the the Eagles Bears one at forty one, the first quarter total will be over under seven and a half. It mm-hmm. won't be it won't be ten or ten and a half for sure. It's always shaded down. It's always it's generally first quarters are more lower scoring. That's true. Now, whether or not they're more drastically lower scoring in the playoffs and the wild cards specifically versus others, I've never back tested or checked that historically. Um, but there is, you know, there is something to first quarters being slower. Teams usually, it's almost like a, I don't even follow boxing much, but it's almost like a boxing approach where you come out in the first round or two, kind of feel out what, you know, the defense is doing or what the offense is giving you, or excuse me, the defense is giving you what you can do on offense. And then you take your punches and take your shots later in the game. And you start playing faster usually later in the games, you know, depending on what actually occurs in the game. So uh, yeah, there's, you're going to have some sort of, uh, I guess regression to a, a shorter total in the first quarter, and then there's going to be bigger totals in you know fourth quarters and, and that type of thing. Yeah, I mean it's usually the first and third quarter. Another reason why those are always shaded lower, like you'll see the same game will have seven in the first and ten in the second, or seven and a half, ten and a half is usually a more popular number for a total in the mid to high forties, is because basically you have a ninety percent chance that the team's starting off at their own twenty five yard line, right? Like on the opening kickoff, yeah, it's the opening. back, so you're starting the quarter with 75 yards to go, whereas there's a high probability that at the end of the first quarter, one of those teams is possibly in scoring position already, which is going to inflate the total for that quarter. So, yeah, I, I do see that. I think I think under feels like it has some sort of ring in these first-round games. Rob, you have a take on it? Well, I just looked it up for you. So, in 2017, there were six overs and five unders. and Well, no, and, uh, I'm just talking about the first round, just the wild card game. Oh, just the wild card. Yeah, game. the reason for uh, well, you can give those stats anyway while you have them. Why don't I give? Why don't I just give them real quick? So, yeah. six over, five under, and then twenty sixteen, seven of seven over, four under, and then twenty fifteen was uh, five unders, four pushes, and two overs. So okay. Split. Do, do you have a way to filter that out just for the wild card round? The reason uh, I say yeah, the, let me check. Let me check. The reason I say the wild card round is because the dominant teams with more of the Tom Brady's and you know attend, the superstars that have been there before usually get the buy. So the wild card tends to be teams with younger quarterbacks, a lot of teams that it's their first time in the playoffs, a lot of nerves. Once you get to the second round, those younger teams are lubed up and they're playing an elite team that's going to put up points. And then Super Bowls seem like they almost always go over. So that would wait that too. But uh, Real quick, I'm not even sure if like the jitters or nerves is a real thing in the sense that the players play worse because they're nervous. But I do think it impacts the way the coaches call plays early. And right. so they're like, if they're worried about Mitch Trubisky or, or an injured Nick Foles or friends up being Sudfeld for heaven's sake, 
actually playing quarterback in a wild card game. I mean, that's going to dictate the way they're actually calling plays, which is going to be much more conservative otherwise, right? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I mean, what is every team, every single coach out here right now is let's just get out to a three nothing lead. Like let's just let's just get a lead, right? So you're probably less prone to go for it on fourth and one from the 49 or some situations you may make later in the game just because you don't want to start off in a deficit. Rob? No, I, I agree. I, I couldn't oh, find I, the wild card. I couldn't find the wild card stats, though. Okay. All right. So any anything on these that you would take a money line shot on? Who do you think? Let's give your predictions. Forget the algorithms and, and just kind of your predictions on who you guys think win. Obviously, you can factor the algos in. But where do you see some value outside of the point spread on – you know, do you see any value to the Eagles plus two hundred? Yeah, you can get yeah, you can get over two hundred on the Eagles. You know, they only have to win, you know, whatever, sixty four, sixty five percent or the Bears, sorry, I should say thirty four, thirty five percent of the time to break even. I think that's the shot. If you're gonna take one, you're only going to get Chargers plus one fifteen, one twenty range. Seattle at one fifteen, one twenty, and a Rob like that anyways. I saw it just moved down to at Westgate and just got popped ten cents. So someone actually must have hit them pretty hard. Uh, just popped on screen. But the, uh, the the Eagles would be my bet. I think you know in general if they played this game, you know my number was a little lower anyways. It was closer to five. So at six, you know that in play is something like plus. I can get plus two twenty in Vegas. I mean that, that's worth a shot. I think my my true line for money line is probably more like one eighty or something like that. So if you're, if you're talking baseball lines. You know, that's like a you know thirty to forty cent edge or something. Right. Um, right. I'm not, I haven't looked at what my money line is exactly. One eighties is probably where it's at. But uh, anyway, yeah. So Eagles would be my shot. Rob. Yeah, same, same, same shot. Eagles. In fact, I might bet it um, the more we talk through it. But I totally agree. Eagles plus two hundred in that range is great. Yeah, and you guys see this line moving up on the Eagles because I see most of the money. Or keep in mind, early on, fifty five percent. You know, on a very limited sample size, coming in on the Bears, that's gone down from seven to six. But um, do you think this line holds, or do you think which way do you think this line moves off the six? Uh, sorry, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to move. I think it's going to sit right here, and then it falls. Obviously, is is announced out or questionable or something, and that's going to move the market. But I think this will sit right at five and a half, six the whole week. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this late in the season, and with with the liquidity that'll come in on these games, I mean, it's uh, it takes a real event for any of this stuff to move quite a bit. No matter how much money's coming in, it's they're, they're not going to move much. Okay. I love the Eagles um, in this game. I, I just I, plus 220 or whatever you can get this at plus 210, whatever it's sitting out in your book, I think is just an absolute steal. And uh, I love the six points. I love all this. I love everything about the Eagles in this game. They're just defying odds. And we saw them do something similar last year. I know the Bears are extremely tough defense, but you're talking about Trubisky. Who I don't have that much confidence in to begin with. You know, young quarterback going in here, definitely going to have jitters, has been proven not to be extremely accurate, going to definitely face a pretty strong pass rush with the Eagles here and get them a little bit rattled. So so I really like the Eagles here. Let's talk about some futures here. So we have – let me just pull this up. All right. So it looks like the Saints right now, which call them Rob Saints, are plus 250 right now to win the Super Bowl. We have the Rams plus 500, Patriots plus 600, Chiefs plus 450, Bears plus 950. Uh, and then everyone else after that is like, you got the Ravens at plus 1400. And then the boys, the Texans, the Colts, the Eagles, and the Seahawks are all between 25 and 3500 on my bookie that I'm seeing right now. And the Chargers plus 18. So that's kind of the rundown there. Cheetah, what are you seeing that, that kind of jumps off that has your interest for a futures play? Uh, to, to be honest, I'm not, what was the Eagles price you just ran off at my bookie? 
The Eagles price at my bookie is plus 3,300. Okay. Yeah, I was looking in town, uh, 35, the ones available. That's, I mean, if we like them at plus 200, plus well, a little bit higher, but if we like them against the Bears, they just did it last year. Like, why couldn't they do it again? And you're getting pretty high price. I don't think a rollover, I haven't done the math exactly yet, um, but if you like, you know, if you took the plus 210 to 215, you rolled it over in the second round, third round Super Bowl. I actually think because the market would be adjusting with the Eagles if they kept winning these upsets, uh, I think it wouldn't actually pay quite as high as 35 to 1. So I think that's a little bit high um, than what like true fair market would be. And then on the AFC side, uh, if the Ravens defense and run game just does what it's been doing, I mean, they're going to be in every single game. They're rarely, and they're going to probably win a lot of close ones if they do it. Um, but they're not going to really be blown out, I don't think, in any of these. So getting them at 25 to 1, I think you said, uh, that's, I mean, that's probably my, my set, my shot in the AFC if I had to take them. Yeah. They're, they're like 15 to one basically there. I mean, uh, okay. Well, it's 25 actually. And maybe I'll take that. Cause that's like, you know, that's like $10 off market in Vegas. Is it really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 25 to one here. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get 25 to one, that seems like a good bet. Um, Rob, what's your take on these futures here? Uh, well, <clears throat> obviously I'm holding saints at, I can't even remember where I started betting that at Tommy plus, 800 plus it was pretty high when I started betting the saints. So um, I won't be adding my position, but I am adding a new position and um, the biggest beneficiary to my beloved Steelers losing yesterday, um, the new England Patriots plus 600. I see it five dimes. I don't know what you're looking at at my book. I got 600 on my bookie and 600 on DraftKings, So that seems consensus. So I'm doubling up. So I'm going to add, I'm going to add Patriots futures and I'm going to bet saints, new England, super bowl, um, I just had the number in front of me. Four to one, was, right? Yeah, four to one, something like that. So um, I'm adding both of those. Okay. Um, I think I kind of agree with you. Me and you were talking on the pre-show, Rob, and you said the biggest beneficiary of the Steelers losing was the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the team. That's I mean, the, pa- the Patriots run. I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted. They run so good all the time. It's kind of annoying. Um, but right. Patriots fans is that, but like it's set up so nicely. Now they get home field advantage. Then they're going to get the winner of Baltimore chargers, I believe. And they'll get them at home. And either of those teams that aren't going to really scare Tom Brady or the Patriots. No. And then, and, or do they actually, no, they get the winner of Houston Colts. That's what I, that's what I was, that's, that's right. Sorry. So I spoke incorrectly, I think. So they get the winner of Houston Colts, which I think they'll obviously be a favorite at home against. And then what, what I was getting is I think Baltimore, or Chargers, the winner of that, I think, actually beats the Chiefs. So then the Pats are going to look into having home field in the AFC title game again a good portion of the time. I don't know. It just feels like that's going to happen, and they're going to have home field all the way through now somehow because the Chiefs are going to lose, and then they'll get into the Super Bowl, and your plus 600 will be looking pretty nice. We've all seen this before. Right. Every fucking year we've seen this. We've seen this before. Bill Belichick with his voodoo. Whatever. It's like every year this is what happens with the Steelers out of the picture, who's usually their biggest nemesis in this situation is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they're just they're, – they're set up again to walk to the Super Bowl. It's disgusting. I mean, it, it is unfortunate, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken. How it's going to work is uh, the Chiefs will play their lowest remaining seat, right? So whoever advances – so if the Colts advance – so let's assume we hit – the Colts advance, right? We're all in agreement that the Colts can beat the Texans. Yeah, sure. If that, if that's I, I know your your lines are like one point seven, but outside of the math, gun to your head, who do you take in that game? Oh, Indy. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I'd I'd still probably take Texans. Okay, so so me and Rob would say Indy. So if Indy advances, right, then they're going to play the Chiefs because they're the sixth seed and the Chiefs are the one. I think Indy beats the Chiefs. 
Um, I think the Chiefs probably lose any game they play in that next round because they can't play the Texans. So if the Texans win, they cannot play the Chiefs. And I think the Texans are the most vulnerable team that's out there because the Texans are the three seed. So they would therefore be the highest seed of the remaining teams and automatically be fed directly to the Patriots who will devour them, right? The Patriots will just kill the Texans. So they're going to be playing the Colts, the Chargers, or the Ravens. Ravens already gave them fits, definitely could give them a hard time because of that Swiss cheese D. They'll keep Mahomes off the field. The Chargers already beat them, yeah. right? And the Colts is fucking Andrew Luck. So I think you're right. I think the Patriots have the easiest path because, I mean, I can't see these Cali boys coming into New England in L.A. and beating the Patriots. And in my opinion, the one coach that is capable of literally stopping Lamar Jackson is Bill Belichick. He yeah, will scheme yeah. to make sure that that does not work. You give up two weeks, but any, any team, Belichick will stop their number one weapon. Right. So, so yeah, I think the Patriots plus 600. I hate to fucking say this, but I'm so yeah. low on the Chiefs. And I, I just – I think the Patriots plus 600 is the play. I, I will add real quick, uh, I had bet – after they got crushed by the Lions, I added them at plus 340 to win the AFC, which is a similar bet. And so I, in agreement, if I didn't already have AFC at plus three forty, I'd be adding the Patriots at six to one too. Yeah. So I mean, subscribers are sitting on. Uh, I believe I know I gave out the Indianapolis Colts at around forty to one. So we have that. So a lot of the subscribers are sitting on that. So what about a hedging strategy here before we get to the NFC side of the ball? The hedging strategy here, if you are sitting on a forty or fifty to one, I have the Eagles at fifty to one, Colts at forty to one. If you're sitting on one of those, Cheetah, what do you do in these situations? What's the best way to hedge these down? It's tough. I will say that I got better over the course of the last few years, seven to nine years probably, at not hedging as often as I used to. I used to in college basketball especially take a lot of long shots that I knew probably wouldn't win at all, but I could lock up like a two, three-unit win and just start hedging right away. And it never like bit me. But ultimately realize like when you're hedging a lot, you're giving back just because of the VIG, you're giving back a lot of your potential future ROI if you look at it in terms of a long-term vacuum. And so this is, I mean, these are situations like, I mean, very similar. Like I had Notre Dame at 57 to 1 to win it all. And we have a big bet on Bama at plus 250. And I'm not going to hedge any of them uh, just because I just think long-term, I you know, the, the price I'm getting for the potential results is, is fantastic. I didn't want to give any back. Uh, if you're sitting, though, with like a massive bet, then it, this is what's always intriguing about these conversations. Uh, if it changes your life at 40 to 1 and you bet yeah. it massively, then, yeah, like do whatever's comfortable. You want to live a life that's stress-free to at least the best extent that you can make it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's always dependent on, I guess, like how much money is at stake. If you threw 20, 25 bucks on Colts at 40 to 1 and you don't really care, you know, I'd, I'd at least sweat it out one more round, see if they upset the Texans, and then kind of reassess the following week once you see a line. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a hedger for kind of that reason because I feel like all those times where you hedged and pulled back three units, four units, two units, that one time where you hit the full 40 to one makes up for eight years of hedging sure. you know, in that same situation. So you guys know me, I'm a fucking psychopath. But, you know, I play for that one hit to make up for it. Like like Cheetah last year, we had Michigan. I had two big futures and it was Michigan and Villanova. And they played in the finals and it was free money because Villanova became my head. Down, all right. Yeah. You know, exactly, right? And you had 100 to one on Michigan. I had 75. That's- that's a good example, though, where I didn't even hedge Michigan at all. Neither of us hedged them the whole way. We had and, then, and then in the middle of the first half, 
like Nova was like one for seven from three. And anyway, it, it was very evident about 10 minutes in that Nova was only down four points despite making one shot. I was like, okay. And so I finally hedged in game at that point. Right. And I, and I locked up some profit, but even at that point, yeah, I just let a whole Michigan bet go. Just, uh, it would have been a nice pad. It didn't work out, but like you said, over the course of, if it, if it takes whoops, five, six, seven years to pay that off eventually, that's kind of the way you're supposed to look at it, right? In a vacuum yeah. term. And it's and going to be more profitable more often than not. I tell everyone, don't hedge just to hedge. Right. Hedge because you're worried about your play. Right. You know, like if you really are confident, Rob, seems like you agree with this. If you're really confident that the Colts are going to beat the Texans, then don't fucking hedge. You know, if you want to go hit something at halftime or an in game or something when you start to get worried, then, then yeah, you sacrifice a little bit of your value just to make sure you're doing it at a time that you're comfortable with. But, Rob, what's your take? Well, you know, th- this, uh, Tommy, I think it was two years ago, I legitimately had tens and tens of thousands of dollars on the Dodgers to make the World Series. Uh, like, a lot of money. A lot of money for me to the point where it was like, this is, this matters to me. This is the amount of money that matters to me. But my expected value throughout the entire playoffs was so much higher holding the ticket than hedging the ticket that I ultimately didn't hedge. So I think people need to realize, yes, it is. Does the money matter to you? That's a real calculation. You need to decide that. But also I'm not in favor of giving money back to the market. If I'm holding this plus EV situation, I prefer to keep my expected value and not just hedge it out just to hedge it out. So um, there's that equation you have to go through. Yeah. I mean, that's listen, it, it also depends a lot. I think one of the misconceptions here, and it's good that we get a chance, the three of us, to talk about it. We'll end up dovetailing on some things that the subscribers and Twitter people ask me all the time. Sure. Yeah. But there's a difference between the way the three of us gamble. You know, the three of us are on a separate text thread that we talk about gambling. And, you know, usually it's Preston tolerating my tilting at fucking one in the morning because Rob's <laughs> sleeping. But, you know, we go in there. We have a text thread that we talk all day and all night about gambling strategies and techniques. And I think if you would have talked to any one of the three of us three years ago, whether it's, you know, our individual influence or maybe outsiders who've had success, you'll find that the three of us have all come more towards the kind of libertarian gambling point of view where, all right, maybe there's not just one way to do this, right? Like people can have success in different ways. And I think that's why as a gambler, you need to identify who you are. If you're just a fucking loose cannon gambler, then you're probably going to do a lot of stuff more similar to me. If you are a robot who's basically never going to take a play outside of what your data tells you, and you're doing this for a living and you're working on a volume basis, then you're probably closest to Cheetah. If you're robot with some Tommy tendencies, then you're probably closest to Rob. So there's kind of a three-way to do this, but I think the mistake some people make, Cheetah, is when you tell people, and Rob, you too, when you guys tell people, never buy a half a point, never do this, never do that. It's if you're doing it the way you're playing, right? Like, I'll tell them, if you're only putting one bet in this week, buy the fucking half a point because you're just fucking trying to win or lose that fucking bet. But if you're using a large sample size approach, every cent matters, and that way you wouldn't. So I think it's important for people to understand there is no right way. There's right ways dependent on how you're playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's definitely dependent on the situation. And then even just going back to hedging, like one, I said, I don't really try to do it very often anymore. I do it still all the time. I'll trade out in game during the same game. So I'll still, like, if I, you know, Steph Curry goes to the bench and I can bet against the Warriors and then I can bet on the Warriors once he comes back and I'll set up middles and scalps on the money lines. I'll still be doing that type of stuff pretty often, especially in basketball, which is so the ebbs and flows are so drastic. Um, so yeah, there's not, there's definitely opportunities where hedging 
or scalping, I think is totally fine, but it's, you need to have a reason to do it. Um, so don't like you guys back to what you said, don't hedge just to hedge. Uh, but there's definitely right ways and wrong ways to do everything. And in sports betting, there's a lot of different right ways and variables that, you know, ultimately determine if you're going to have winning bets more often than not. Yeah. Rob, do you ever feel like people want a black and white answer for a great question? Like, what should I do on this? And it's like, well, what's your financial situation? How much money do you have on it? How much do you make a year? How much is this going to affect your life if you win? How was your last week? You know, like, where's your bankroll at? Like, I feel like whenever anyone asks me, I put 50 bucks on Should I hedge or not? I have like 30 other questions I need to ask them before I could advise them on what to do with it, right? Yeah, I mean, you could give a, you could give a black and white answer and say, well, you're holding plus 1,000, the market's plus 200, you're in a plus EV situation, hold the ticket. But if you dig another layer and it's like, oh, you need this money? Right. Well, it really matters to your life? You could pay off a credit card or what? Okay, take a piece, man. Edge yeah. them out. Yeah, right. You know? I th- and that's where I think everyone needs to, you know, needs to really put their own two cents into their, their decision-making on your situation, your future. All we're going to do is tell you what the optimal move would be if it was just a totally neutral situation, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing. We're basically assuming a neutral situation. So if your situation sways above or below that line, at that point, you need to adjust accordingly. We can't make that adjustment for you. Um, on the NFC side here, we said the Saints are obviously the favorite, but uh, if you were to go take a shot on anyone on the NFC side here, Cheetah, who would it be? To win it? Eagles, 35 to 1. Do you think that's the most viable or just the best odds? Uh, most value? Well, you you most... mean viable as in like who I would pick to actually win? I, I actually still think the Rams are better by, 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 a, by a hair. So at the, you know, at the prices, you can get the Rams at 5, 550 versus the Saints at 225. When the Rams, I think, are – I mean, they're going to be underdogs in New Orleans because they're going to be on the road, but I think they're really close to pick them heads up and on a neutral. So uh, the Rams, I get you know, almost over double – actually over double the price as far as what it would pay out uh, on a team that I think is going to be winning it often enough. Uh, I think that would be my more uh, viable pick in that sense. But as far as like long shot or whatever, I would be still the Eagles at, at 35-1. to 1. Okay. Eagles, Rob, are most likely – they're the sixth seed, so if they win, they're going to be – automatically heading to new Orleans to play the saints as someone who holds a big saints ticket right now. Um, would it make sense for you to also throw a Eagles ticket now at 35 to one or whatever the fuck it is before they beat the air bears and it drops to 12 to one or whatever the number would drop to at that point, would it make sense to hold those? Would you kind of use the Eagles long shot ticket as the hedge on your saints ticket? Uh, no, I probably, I probably, well, first of all, I'm not looking to hedge that ticket anytime soon, really. Um, if I was going to take a stab, it would be the Rams. In fact, I may add a little Rams, uh, exposure. Um, but that would be, that would be the only place I go, honestly, is to the Rams. All right. The thing, the thing I love about the Seahawks ticket is that I like the Eagles. So I'm, I really need the Eagles to beat the Bears because I think the Seahawks are definitely beating the Cowboys. And I want the Seahawks to play the Rams. I don't want the Seahawks having to travel to New Orleans until they have to. So I'd much rather them go to the Rams next week. And They hung with the Rams already twice, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm not worried about the Rams in, in the playoffs. So, uh, so that's, that's one of them. I like the Seahawks ticket. I like the Eagles ticket uh, that I'm already holding right now. So uh, let's get to some college football here, Cheetah. So we got the New Year's Day games. Um, used to probably have a little more pizzazz before the college football playoffs kind of came in, and that's you know somewhat of the be-all, end-all uh, for everyone. But we'll obviously talk about the national championship game. 
as we go to? Or, or why don't we start there? Why don't we start with the national championship game and kind of your feel on that? Okay, sure. Yeah. So my, I got lucky. I live in Las Vegas. There was a book here in town that opened the total during the Bama Oklahoma game at 54 and a half. Uh, just thought like kind of an early look ahead line when it was evident that it was probably when it was 28 to zero. And uh, I, I bet a lot of money on 54 and a half and 55 and a half. So I, I thought it should be in the low sixties and you know, it's, it's still 59 and a half, 59 in the market. Uh, 58 would be my buy point for everyone now, uh, but there are no more 58s, but it's been trickling down from the open, which is surprising to me. You know, I think, uh, you know, Alabama's offense is, is obviously just fantastic. They're at a level that's better than when they, you know, were even Jalen Hurts at quarterback or, or even before that day. And their defense is obviously susceptible. And Oklahoma was, when you talk about nerves and jitters, they were based, I mean, Alabama was lucky that Oklahoma came out looking like they were not ready and played in the Big 12 all year because it was 28-0. And then after that, Oklahoma you know, won the game outright by 17. So uh, it was – I mean, Oklahoma's was – they were scoring on Bama's defense, no problem. Bama may have gone into some sort of soft zone slash prevent, uh, but Clemson's going to be able to score on them too. Trevor Lawrence can throw the ball. It's gonna be, I just think it's going to be similar to those games with Deshaun Watson and very back and forth. Uh, ultimately, I think Bama's offense – I mean, Clemson – where I really like the overplay, uh, especially in the mid fifties, where I got it, but and I still like the Alabama at plus two fifty. We bet before the the season for four units, so it's mm-hmm. a big payout. But uh, Clemson, when they played two decent offenses this year, they played A and M. They got outgained by ninety. They ended up winning the game by two. Um, but defensively, they got they got gashed. Even a couple weeks back, uh, it was South Carolina. Bentley threw for over five hundred yards against them. I thought it with a month of prep, Notre Dame, Ian Book would have, you know, gone a similar route and just dropped back and thrown the seams and taken advantage. And they had chances early and then it got away from them. Um, but, you know, Alabama's going to take advantage of those chances. They're going to be able to throw all over Clemson, I think. And so I just – and if Clemson can score back and forth and, you know, it ends up being a close game, then it's nice to have an over ticket. So that's where I'm leaning in this game, even at if, if you could get 59. Um, official buy point would be 58 or better, though. I, I was with you, Cheetah, and that, that fucking Notre Dame game, there was a couple games like this, the Iowa State game, the Notre Dame game. Some of the most tilting games to watch of the entire season have taken place in this bowl, where teams, this bowl season, where teams have lost by 20-plus points, where if you just went back and looked at the box score, you were like, oh, they got their fucking dicks handed to them. But if you watched these fucking games, these games were decided in the beginning of the second quarter or a drive here or there that went the wrong way. I mean, if you looked at that Notre Dame-Clemson game, this game was 9-3 with three minutes left in the first half. It was third and 16. Clemson was about to punt. And Clemson, yeah, right. Clemson was about to punt, and they popped a long one. But even before that, Notre Dame just – look at the beginning drives of this game. Like, Clemson's first drive was one yard. Next drive was 31 yards. Next drive was 13 yards. Next drive was three plays. You know, like – They couldn't get anything going against Notre Dame early in that game. And Notre Dame's first drive was four, then one, then a 10-play drive, then a 10-play drive. I mean, Notre Dame was outgaining Clemson by almost 100 yards, I believe, at one point, and they were losing. So I I didn't think your analysis was far off. Obviously, in college, as college betters like me and you are a lot, these are fucking 18-, 19-year-old kids. Once the dam breaks, it fucking breaks, right? And that dam broke on that big touchdown for Clemson. Cause right after that, they just started popping off big touchdowns, but the second half was pretty much played even also. So I think there was a three minute piece of that game in the last three minutes of the first half 
where Clemson put up like 20 points or whatever the fuck it was of their 30. And that was it. The rest of the game, it was a fucking total yeah. stalemate. So I see Clemson struggling with the Alabama defense a little bit more than people think. And I don't think they're – I don't know about the total, but I think Bama covers this six. Rob, do you, yeah. got any, you got any take on it? No, no, I don't really have a take. I don't have a model or anything. I just watch the games uh, and bet what Cheetah tells me to bet, so I'm good. That's been the philosophy for all of us. <laughs> it's, it's been great. I haven't had to do any college football content this year. It's been incredible. Uh, and then I'll, che- I'll steal some of Cheetah's bets and then post them on Twitter as free bets and then uh, get credit. <laughs> that's not what I mean. As long as we're making money. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, you know, it's like, oh, I'll wait till halftime, then I'll post the second half play based on Cheetah's full game play. And then I go. <laughs> and if it loses, I'll just deny yeah, it. And that's the beauty. Like, Cheetah's in a no-lose situation because we're getting subscribers and love and interest. And if it loses, I I get blamed and if it wins I get all the credit usually he wins so it's great um so New Year's Day games you got about five games on New Year's Day here Cheetah let's do a quick kind of 30 second overview um I know you'll have the full bets and all that in the package but for tomorrow or today depending when you're listening uh 12 o'clock game Iowa Mississippi State Mississippi State seven and a half total 40. Yeah, this is uh, – so Mississippi State uh, adjusted for schedules, the most efficient defense in the country this year. I would have normally been betting under at 44. I actually opened 44 and a half, but it sat at 44 for a while. But there was – they have one safety that's taking off uh, to go – he's sitting out for resting for the NFL. And a couple other guys on the defensive line that may have done the same. And so I didn't end up betting it because I didn't want their defense to be out three starters. But my total was actually closer to where it's at at 41 now. So now I'm right on market, but 44 would have been a good bet. So that's that would have been my one bet. But it, it, Bulls season is very – it's similar to week 17 in the NFL to some extent where there's so much – you know, there's so many variables and variation between whether coaches are leaving, who's motivated or not, uh, which players are actually going to be going pro, how significant of a loss are they. And, and it's, it's one where I think you have to be pretty sure on – you know, like you can bet Alabama Clemson or you can bet the – you know semi-final games because you know what you're getting. You're, you know what you're getting in a lot of these other matchups right. too. But this is one where I didn't bet it earlier. Uh, obviously now wish I would have because I only have one guy, one safety out where, you know, it's probably not going to be worth three points to a total. So I still lean under a little bit uh, at 41, but it's, you know, I was actually their fifth, I think their fifth or sixth in the country in, in defensive efficiency. So I'm both have played pretty tough schedules. So, I mean, this is going to be, it's not going to be TCU Cal bad, but it's going to be around there. I mean, 17-14 type game late, and you know, one team probably scores one more time to win it, something like that. Please don't even mention TCU Cal. <laughs> I mean, listen, we loved, I loved it. it because we we loved it, yeah, because you had the under and I tailed it. But, I mean, fucking A, that game was like – that was probably the worst college football game I've ever watched in my entire life. But, um, all right, so next game here, Kentucky-Penn State. And what you're saying is a, is a very valid point because especially with the – the kind of final four that they're doing in college football now. It diminishes the values of the bowls, which a lot of these bowls already had diminished values because people don't give a fuck. You you don't know. Like Michigan sat like four guys that are going to be drafted in the first two rounds of the draft, you know, and what everyone believed to be a big game that everyone was psyched up about. So you do have a lot of variables here. Kentucky um, at Penn State, not at Penn State, but playing Penn State, six and a half point spread. Penn State's favored, minus 250. I got a little interest in that plus two ten, Sheeta. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that. I think there's a lot of good variants in bowl games too, for the very reason that I think it's tough to bet a lot of them and have a ton of volume. Like even today, I don't have much action. I have a very small bet on Northwestern at plus seven and a half. I got in Vegas that was nowhere else, so I didn't even 
talk to people about the plus seven and a half. But you know, if it gets there, that's one that we would maybe have today, uh, recording Monday. But other than that, there's six games. I don't actually have any action. And so you know um, what? By, not to cut you off, but you know what the beauty of the way I bet is that I'm getting Northwestern a plus seven and a half right now by just buying a point. By buying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. For minus 125. There you go. Yeah. Go on. So, um, what, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the Kentucky Tennessee game. So, yeah, the variability is great where I, I money line round robin a bunch of underdogs. And it's, uh, you know, this is one where you can get two to one on Kentucky, which, you know, is a team that's probably going to be winning a good portion of the time. So, yeah, I, I would not hate that bet at all. Uh, I do have a lean to the under. Uh, mine's a couple points lower. So that would be my bet at this point if, if I was to make one in the game. Okay, cool. Uh, LSU Central Florida. LSU minus seven. My, uh, my computer's about to die, so I have to go get a plug. I, I didn't think it would blast through all of this, but uh, I go get my plug in just a second. Go get your, go get your, no, go get your plug now. I, I'm now. curious what you guys think about LSU Central Florida anyways, because this is kind of like the super kind of popular underdog team that's won 25, 26 games in a row going up against an SEC team that finished whatever third or fourth in the conference. So I am kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are. So break it down a little, and I'll be back in 30 seconds. All right, so he's so curious to hear our thoughts, Rob, so that he's going to walk – he's going to – He's, yeah. <laughs> so he's gone, right? Let's talk shit on it. Dude, he's so curious to hear our thoughts that he's going to walk away while we talk about it. <laughs> I really would like to know what the bet. I'll be back in a half a fucking hour. <laughs> I really want to know what you guys are going to say as he walks off the fucking camera. We have to put real serious. Cheetah can see us. So when he comes back, we got to put these real serious faces. Yeah, yeah. No, right. When he comes back, I'm just going to break in like we're talking about it. But <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, he gives a shit what Rob says about fucking yeah. us. Oh, I really like UCF. Actually, he's, <clears throat> he's back. So, yeah. So I think. Uh, oh, no, he's not back yet. So, uh, Rob, do you even know what UCF stands for? University of Cuckfuck. You don't even know, do you? Central Florida. Come on, yeah. dude. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, that's what that's what I think. and that's Yeah, I'd probably lead under. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, and that's how I see it going. What do you think, Cheetah? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks for covering for, <laughs> for me. We didn't cover for you. We just made fun of you for like a minute and a half. Oh, that's even better. That's yeah, good. Because we were like, he's fucking asking. He's so interested to hear what we have to say that he's walking away while we talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, I'll listen back to the pod and have to listen. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, <laughs> I don't even so, But by the way, Chita, what I was going to say is I do like UCF in this game um, for the simple fact that I'm getting a touchdown. LSU's probably the better team. But who gives a fuck more is one of the things that you were talking about earlier, right? Like who – who cares is a big factor in these. And if I'm LSU, I'm in here going, oh, fuck. Like, could you have a worse draw? You go in here, you play in a small school where this is their life. This is probably the biggest game in school history for UCF. And we were hoping to be in that final four and playing teams like Alabama and Clemson. If there's anyone I could see mailing it in a little bit, it would be LSU running into a UCF team that's coming in hungry and ready to win. I think what helps LSU's cause in this case, to your point, would be that it happened to Auburn just last year. And Mackenzie Milton was actually playing at quarterback for UCF. But they went in and they beat Auburn as a double-digit underdog. And now it's a lower spread against an LSU team that's actually better. And it's the backup quarterback about Mac Jr. But I don't think LSU, especially after the committee and NCAA basically has said, Central Four, if you undefeated, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make the playoff. We value everyone else more. We value the SEC more. I mean, they probably really want the SEC to win this game and just pound them, to be honest, and kind of shut everyone up about it. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of saw some flags go shading LSU's way, right, if you want to throw a conspiracy theory in here. Mm-hmm. When it's all said and done, 
Uh, Memphis ran for 401 yards in the AAC title game against UCF. I should just pull up their schedule real quick, but uh, I'm going to do it just because it's, it's, it would shock you. I think it would probably keep you off uh-huh. of betting UCF when it's all said and done. All right, I got it up here. South Florida rushed for 250 and threw for 250. Cincinnati, despite losing, and UCF actually pounded them, and I had bet UCF in that game, but they ran for 252 yards. Navy almost ran for 400. They're Navy. Temple ran for 250 and threw for 444. Uh, the defense just isn't very good, and you're going up against an LSU team that's going to be able to you know, mull them over. They're going to have the size and just wear them down, and they're going to be able to run the ball. So they're not going to be able to stop LSU's run game if you can't stop Memphis, South Florida, Cincinnati, Navy, Temple, et cetera. Can you score and keep up like they've been able to do in the past when they can't defend well? Uh, probably not against LSU's defense. LSU's defense is still top uh, 10 to 15 range. I'd have to double-check exactly. Except when they play Texas A&M. <laughs> uh, except when they played A&M. Do you yes. remember that? Wasn't that game like 75-73 or something like that? It went to like six overtime. Oh, like the nine overtime. Yeah. yeah you're, you're right about that. Actually, I think it, it would have gone over, I think, barely anyways. But then yeah, it went I think away. it was like 75-74 yeah. or something like that. Uh, so it, it comes down to, I think, that LSU's obviously the better team, but can Mac Jr. in the backup quarterback do it against an LSU defense and play catch-up like they have? Because they're not going to get stopped. They're not going to stop right. LSU's run game. So uh, can they – Can they? maybe they get backdoor for you. I actually like – at six and a half, it's a buy for me on LSU. So that's it sounds – like, It sounds like the analysis is almost leaning over. Uh, right? Not necessarily the number, because if you're thinking LSU is going to be able to score at will, and UCF has a pretty potent offense where they should be able to keep up, especially as LSU lightens, takes it, their foot off. It's the one of those, yeah, like when the fourth quarter, yeah, UCF could backdoor. Like right, you start yeah. seeing right. Yeah. It has moved from 54 and a half at open to 58. So it has been bet up. All right. Um, it does go with that. I mean, it's tougher to bet it at 58. Mine's 56.7. So I didn't bet over either at, at that point. Excuse me. But at minus six and a half, I like LSU. Okay. There's some sevens around. There's some seven and a half. It's kind of like a 7.25 right now in the market. But I actually think Moneyline's a fine play too. You okay. can get um, you know, minus 280, 290, 300 range, I think is probably where it is at. So let me double check. Yeah, uh, 295, 275 at Bovada. A lot of the listeners play there. I actually think it's a fine play, and I don't do it a ton. Um, I, even if it's close, I mean, I just think LSU is going to get it done eventually anyways. If there is a back door because they're up 10 to 13, 14 points, I don't know. I'm probably going to end up playing if it gets to six and a half LSU on the spread. But if not, I'm still going to wait and see if it keeps trickling down. It opened at eight. It's down to almost seven now. But I'll be playing LSU to some degree. You can use the Tommy G strategy, Rob, and take LSU minus 290 and pair it with the Eagles plus 220. Offsets. There you go. A little offset. A little offset parlay there. That's still going to pay out pretty well. And you get LSU uh, sitting there. And then obviously you always have a hedging opportunity when the second leg of that comes around on Sunday, depending on where you're at. Uh, on the end games. Washington, Ohio State. Rob, I'm going to start with you on this one. You had a very strong take before we started talking about college football on the, the Buckeyes. Well, just, 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 I went to Ohio State and Ignore I'm a Ohio State fan. I'm from Ohio. The only college football I watched was Ohio State games. So I know Ohio State well, right? They, there's no reason they shouldn't have been in the, in the one of the playoff games. I, I mean, if you watched, <laughs> if you watched, like, so I'm frustrated they didn't get in, okay? I'm very no, frustrated. No, but we couldn't tell by all your groans and grunts. <laughs> I know, I can't even spit it out. Just because yeah. I think they would have given them a game. So, um, to see Ohio State get stiffed, you know, it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. I think they're... Eh, I don't think they got stiffed. 
I think you lose by thirty to Purdue. You're not. Yeah, gonna, uh, yeah. yeah. You shouldn't shouldn't get killed by Purdue. Third best team in the country. They blow out. They they. I, I wish I could take an alternate alt alt uh, a, a line here. If I can get minus ten, I'm gonna grab that minus fifteen, something like that. They blow out Washington. Uh, you can make up an alternate line. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I, I think Washington's good. I mean, you asked why didn't Ohio State get in? Not only did they lose by thirty to Purdue, they almost lost to Nebraska, Maryland. They give up 200, 250 yards rushing to all of these teams, three hundred in a few spots. They gave even the opener against Oregon State. They gave up a ton, and they had both at the time. They got these are just facts. Stuff. I don't care about facts. <laughs> and the facts are that I think so. Haskins has been the advantage that they've had because they've been able to throw at a level they weren't able to do the past few years with Barrett and Washington secondary is probably the best in the country. Uh, probably the more, the best talent NFL wise Peterson with a month to prep. It's not like a downgrade from urban Meyer. Everyone's talking up the narrative of urban urban Meyer, obviously his last game, this and that. Uh, but I have this a lot lower. I've just been waiting since it opened at five and it's been bet up to six and a half. It hit seven, a few spots and got, yes, she doesn't know Washington. So I like Washington. I'm going to yes. be on it for sure. Uh, Me too. Just hope, just hope that I can get seven. And so if not six and a half is fine too. I'm going to go money line on this one just to fucking watch Rob's heartbreak. I don't want to win the bet. I want to win the bet and watch you suffer. And if, and if I had Washington plus seven and Ohio State won the game by three, you're still getting a dub. So, you know, you're still getting a win for your team. So I want you to suffer as bad as you suffered when Baker Mayfield couldn't convert on fourth down on Sunday when you watched your Steelers exit. I'm so, still miserable. Yeah, I mean, dude, if you look at Ohio State from a real-life perspective, I mean, at Penn State, they won by one. At Purdue, they lost by 30. They beat Michigan State handily. At Maryland, they won by one, 52 to 51. I remember that game. They should have lost that game. Overtime, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, they didn't handle their – yeah, you've beaten Rutgers 52 to three, you know, and you're putting up 49 on Tulane. And I got cut up I got cut up in the Michigan thing because I liked Michigan against Florida. Right. I bought some back when the guys sat out, and that, that sucked. But them destroying Michigan looks a lot less – impressive when florida just absolutely slaughtered michigan too well and that was one of those games too like i mean i hate to say it because i know this happens all the time like every game you can kind of say this five minute period but every quarter of that game was a dead heat except the third quarter you know like every quarter was like you look at it seven three sixteen seventeen twenty one twenty they just they had that one run in the third quarter there where they just blew the doors off and the dam broke which happens in big games like that we see that a lot so, yeah, I think Ohio State is overrated, and uh, I hope Washington beats them so that Rob cries. Me too. And the final game is Texas-Georgia. I think you also have a little situation here on Ohio State. I love narratives, as you could tell. Who cares more about this game? It's not even close. It's not even close. Every player on Michigan is feeling exactly like every, uh, on Ohio State is feeling like every single Ohio State fan. Rob, that should have been us where Notre Dame is. That should have been us. Where Michigan went. That should have been a – want to prove the point, though? Like, they're not going to have their heads down. But, I mean, that doesn't really ever happen. Like, because it's about the three weeks of prep and all that. Like, teams either – like, that whole, like, us against the world thing doesn't – it rarely seems to come through. It's always, we're going to come out and fucking pound these people or fuck this game. We shouldn't even be playing this. Let's get to the end of January so we can start drinking again. I, it, if, I, if I recall, like a few years ago, TCU was left out because the Big 12 didn't have a title game. They didn't go to the playoff. And I believe they got beat up pretty good in their bowl game. They had the, well, we want to prove a point game. 
Uh, but they ended up losing, and TCU was – I think they finished fifth. And you know, That narrative game. is – for me, it's almost like, dude, you could say whatever you want. Auburn was in that boat last year some degree, too. Yeah, they got pummeled. I mean, if you're looking at – if I'm playing – we know beer pong is my thing. If I'm playing a girl in beer pong, the second I start losing, I want to quit. You know? <laughs> like, the sec- it's like, oh, fuck it, dude. Like, when I play my brother, I beat my brother every time. The second he gets a lead half the time, I'm like, fuck this. Like, give me, give me, give me someone good. You know, because it's kind of like that, that tendency to just fucking give up and say, fuck this. If you're it's already there before the game, you're going to see these teams. And this is why maybe in games are a smart move on games like this. If they start to get down early, do the, they're not going to have the heart to come battling back and go win this. They're just going to quit. And if they start to get up big, then it's going to be, let's fucking throttle these people and make a statement. So yeah. I actually like the in games on these narratives. See if, if the Buckeyes start down, bet the fuck against them. If they start up, bet on them the roll. I just want to dovetail real quick when this is sort of sour grapes, but I'm interested in, in shocking coming from you. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame should not even be eligible for the championship games. (laughs) I mean, um, it, that's not a rule. So yes, they can be, if they made that a rule, then you could be right. I'm just saying it's not fair. Everybody I mean, else has to play through a conference, play a championship game. Notre Dame just gets to do whatever they want. I would say their schedule was – I mean, going into the season was one of the tougher schedules. Then USC, Florida State, those teams didn't end up being as good. But, I mean, they still beat Michigan early in the year. They still – I mean, you look down the list, Virginia Tech. Every, like, they beat nine – I don't know, they beat ten bowl teams, I believe. They mm-hmm. beat two that were in the top 20. They beat Northwestern. Like, 10 of their 12 games were against teams. They that played were, USC. They played Virginia Tech. USC was their last game. I mean, they had Stanford in there. They beat good. I mean, they played a lot of really good teams. They didn't play anyone elite because they didn't have a championship game. But until there's a rule, if Notre Dame goes 12-0, like, there's a really good chance they're just going to be getting in, unless there's five undefeated teams. And maybe you're right, you know, if it gets to that point. But there's generally not going to be five undefeated teams. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I agree with Tommy, obviously, because I bet Notre Dame and I have the future 57 to one from before the season. I'd bet him again. People will be like, oh, that was such an awful bet. I'd, I'd bet him again. Notre Dame plus 12 again against Clemson tomorrow. Yep. I, I would. So I think they're better than they showed. And they've now done it twice because of that Bama national title game. So you have that narrative, like Rob saying, like, why do they even get in? They suck. Um, they're not as bad as they've showed. It's only a two-game sample size. And so Kelly, I'm not even saying they suck. I'm just saying they go through a different process than everybody else goes through to get there. It's, but, I mean, that could be an advantage or a disadvantage, right? Like, <clears throat> if you put Notre Dame, excuse me, if you put Notre Dame in the Big 12, then it would be like, well, Notre Dame probably would have gone undefeated, right? Or they would have lost one game. Their schedule is actually tougher than a lot of conferences. So, you know, a lot of these conferences like the PAC or the Big 12 or anything like that, their schedule is tougher than a lot of these teams had to go through. In those and, and the conference championships also a positive. And it's like Ohio State wasn't getting in unless they won the Big 10. Then they kind of had a sure, shot. Yeah. Sure. And so, and for a lot Rob of those, just hates if they weren't, a, if they were, if they have one loss, yeah, then the conference championship game is actually beneficial. So Notre Dame basically plays a season where they can't lose, and everyone yeah. else has a hey, have a game they can lose because they can win their conference title. So it can be a disadvantage to Notre Dame too. Yeah, Rob's just sour grapes. Um, That's fine. Yeah, Georgia minus twelve versus Texas. Um, I don't really have a lean on this. I haven't had much success betting either of these teams the whole year when I've tried to go off Cheetah Island on my own. Yeah, I have, I have nothing either. Like, totals, like, one point high. I think George is back down to – I mean, it's like 12, 11 and a half. I, I think it should be more like 13-ish. But uh, it's but it's also one of those, like, does Georgia care? Because they were right there. They had a shot. And, yep. 
And now you're getting the whole narrative. I mean, this is a real thing, but like Tom Herman has a double digit underdog or as an underdog period. Like he's like, I was like 16 and two and 10 of those 16 wins are on the, are outright. Uh, I'm talking about against the spread. Like Herman just doesn't lose against the spread as a, as a doc. It's, 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 un, it's unreal. He was doing it at Houston as an offensive coordinator. They were doing it at Ohio state before he went to Houston. I, I, I it's hard to bet against Texas getting that many points. And I think Oklahoma's performance being able to score like they did, um, you know, after that first quarter against Bama and the way that Texas has played Oklahoma twice this season is, is at least somewhat respectable to the big 12 and to Texas and, and whatnot. I think that's actually when the line came back down from 13 and a half uh, since that game. So uh, I think it's just basically right on for both the side and totals. Maybe something live. If you see Georgia just doesn't care at all, you know, fire some Texas if they score first and you're still getting seven and a half and they're up seven zero or something. Um, so it might be one that I, I take an opportunity there. I mean, I wish there was a prop for, um, Jake Fromm not getting a third or fourth and short on a sneak like that. that <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who's been noticing this, but I've been tweeting about it forever. Like this dude is the worst quarterback sneaker I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. He literally takes the snap and stands straight up. And I don't think they've ever gotten one. They've done it a few times when we needed them. Like oh, it's always when we need them. On the goal line, fourth and one on the goal line. I, yeah. I remember one. First and one at the goal line. They went over four. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. And this is multiple games. This isn't like a one-game sample size. Like, you literally notice it in this game and tweet at me uh, when you see it. Jake Fromm at some point in this game will attempt a quarterback sneak and somehow lose a yard. Like <laughs> it's amazing. So his negative twenty-two rush, negative thirty-nine rush yards on the year, or whatever he has, is part of that indication, but. Yeah, he can't move around much. I, I'm with you. I'll take Texas. Whenever I'm in doubt, I take the double digits. So I'll ride with you on Texas there. Sit one or two Twitter questions, and then, uh, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. Rob, anything that specific on the Twitter thread that we posted that you wanted to address since you really haven't been involved for the last 20 minutes? Uh, no, actually, this is my best work. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what about the host, the co-host of the year? Would you like to petition for that? Not really. I mean, I'm probably not the best for it, honestly. Um, although recording today, you know, does move my stock. Up Come on, dude, sell yourself, Rob. We have a co-host of the year poll up at no mercy. And obviously Jeff Manns was like minus 300 coming in. Right. Mad Lab was probably, you know, plus 250. Uh, Rob and Abad were probably plus 500. And I think part of that is just, you know, Rob sucks. The Bod doesn't have Twitter and Jeff's Twitter overpowers Mad Labs on some level. So you can make that argument if you want, or you can just say that Jeff's that much better than all you. No, it's Jeff's got a radio show. He lucked into a radio show. <laughs> lucked into <laughs> it. Now it's like he's so much better than me. He's got four. Like, oh, you're, he's real much. You know, so so that's all rigged. I'm not gonna say really too much bad about Mad Lab, except I'm. I mean, I'm clearly better than him. I just don't. People seem to like his style or whatever his shtick. And then the bod's sort of irrelevant. So. <laughs> um, I'm not going to make a strong case for myself. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, this is a, uh, this is a situation. I did have mad lab and man's as the favorites. And I think part of it, Rob, is that you're so bad at Twitter that, uh, you're not going to win anything until today, until yeah. today, until today. Yeah. Like <laughs> until magically he gets 580 retweets on a fucking t-shirt contest. So, uh, but yeah, so go over to no mercy pod vote right now. It's Jeff Mann's at 58%. Mad Lab at 26. That, that, Man's just got off the radio. 
So that thing was close. That was like 42 to 35. He pumped himself he on the everyone. Yeah, Jeff Mans definitely did something there to manipulate that a little well, bit. I got a radio show. I could go manipulate this. I guy. told Manlab to play dirty with him the other night because things Manlab hates was winning the best segment over Mans. And Mans went on Twitter and told everyone if he's not winning on that poll for live from FanDuel headquarters, he's canceling the overnight chat for the DFS subs. <laughs> he fucking told him he's not going in until he takes the lead. And you just saw like a 20 point shift in the poll. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Jeff will play dirty if he has to, but um, any of those Twitter questions there, Rob, that you yeah, think I've got one that's really interesting considering pr- pr- uh, since we have Preston on Preston's his name. Have this have is just me showing my my chops as a co-host. I can't even say the other guy's fucking name. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're at eight <laughs> percent. Have you noticed any trends in sports gambling now? It's become legalized, more fishy lines, things affecting lines, et cetera, et cetera. Want to take a shot at that, Preston? Yeah, sure. I I have not. I have not noticed anything clearly. I don't think there is a big enough handle really yet for it to maybe change if it will or would. Um, so I, I would, I would say I haven't noticed anything. I will say I'm not looking into lines in Mississippi or New Jersey very often. Mm-hmm. I know Tommy, there's some live lines. Like if you're using DraftKings or FanDuel to bet that are being offered that aren't offered generally offshore or in Vegas that have been Wrong. straight up incorrect. <laughs> and like, like we bet there was one where a third quarter line was basically the same spread as the second half line was at right. Chris and Pinnacle and, it lost anyways, but you have to bet some of these things. So there are some inefficiencies in the market just because it's a different book, but it's not one of those where because there's other markets now in different states that the entire market's shifting. It's just a couple like niche things where you can find some extra opportunity. But, uh, you know, that might change once 40, 45 states are legalized and, and whatnot. But for now, I haven't seen much changing. Yeah. Have you heard of anybody being able to make any money on some ARB opportunities? Uh, as far as between the two states and stuff, yeah, no, I've I've heard there's there's a lot of half point differences in NFL games that are, uh, and then SEC games I've seen from uh, from Mississippi people that are are down there, which I don't know many. I just know uh, Lindemann that does. Uh, people Caesars. live there. Yeah, there's actually a couple people that live there and like wow. to bet on the games. Yeah, wow. but Caesars is down in Mississippi, and so wow. like I, th- I think their lines sometimes are a little bit different there than. Here, but I, you can't even quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. So Caesars here doesn't just send the Caesars their lines and they just shade them? Yeah, they, I'm not sure if they do or not. I'm just saying that they could get a ton of action in Mississippi at one side and move it a half point, and then someone out there that's actually worth the damn could just bet it all right back and you know take a plus seven and a half and a minus seven in Vegas or offshore or something. So that, that type of stuff I think makes sense that exists, but I haven't looked into it deeply enough to, to we got to open a sports book in New Jersey, just for the simple fact that I remember hearing at the beginning of the season um, from some of the guys at <clears throat> one of the big companies, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> dying over here, uh, DraftKings and FanDuel that are operating in New Jersey, that like 70% of their futures tickets were on the Jets and Giants to win the Super Bowl. let's just open a sports book here next year and then only take one bet like futures and nfl futures and then just shut down shop well it happened in vegas though think about the knights last year that just happened to work out but people weren't betting the vegas knights because they were right no dude that would slaughtered on that one yeah so but yeah it's just hysterical how dumb people in jersey are um let me see holding the eagles we already answered that Rank in order the eight teams that have a chance to play four NFL postseason postseason games. So this person here is in a 
fantasy playoff pool survivor type format where if your player advances, he accrues points the next week. Um, I do a bunch of those too. So basically what he wants to know is he's going to be drafting guys like T.Y. Hilton, Alshon Jeffrey. Of the eight teams playing this weekend, rank them as most likely to get to the Super Bowl, I guess he's saying. I can, I can do that. So my best rated team that is, you know, has an opportunity to play four games with the Chargers. Uh, after that is the Bears. Uh, after that is uh, Seattle, the Seahawks. So those would be like top three. Um, Baltimore would be next. They're pretty much right in line with Seattle. Colts would be next. Um, Philadelphia next, Houston next, and Dallas at the end. I think that's the eight. I think I think you you kind of you gotta go Baltimore Chargers, right? I, and again, I think this is if you think the Colts are going to win, you know. But Rob, what what do you think? I don't know. I would go Chargers, Seattle, Indy, uh, something in that order, and then throw Baltimore in there at the end, something like that. Yeah, I'd probably go Seattle, Chargers. Eagles, Indy, Baltimore, Bears, Dallas, Texans. I would put the Bears, Dallas, and Texans at the bottom, believe it or not, even yeah. though the math, the math won't tell you that. Well, for fantasy purposes, I mean, you don't want a ton of Bears players anyways, even right. if, if they're technically higher. You don't want to use Chicago much. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, boys, any other, uh, any other final words or comments here, Mr. Cheetah? No, thanks for having me on. It was fun to do. All right, Robert? Yep, nothing. Happy New right. Year's. That's a good job, Rob. Way to, way, to, way, to, way to get that exit line wrapped up in 2018. Good job there. Are you going to have uh, – do you have a resolution to have a new uh, intro and, and outro for 2019, Rob, or are you just giving up on that? No, not really. I mean, um, this is kind of, it's kind of what it is now. This is the type of hard work that gets you 7% on the co-host of the year. <laughs> All right, guys, get over to guruelite.com. Go sign up for the gambling package. Like I said, right now, the package with 20% off, it's like 99 bucks for the next month, goes through January 21st, the next three weeks or whatever it is. Uh, and you're getting every single sport. You're getting Cheetah's NBA, college football, and college basketball. You're getting Rob's NBA and NFL. You're getting my NFL, uh, any other crazy shit I put, plus Mad Labs MMA, the golf, the fucking high, you name it. it everything's in there. So uh, tons and tons of activity to keep you busy during what is one of the three biggest down months in sports when we start to see when you get into January, February, March uh, before baseball starts. So we will keep you popping. Promo code SANTA20 for Preston. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Cheetah. For Rob, follow him. and nah, nah, don't follow him on Twitter. And myself, Tommy G. Good luck. Stay cash. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Ain't no mercy. Ain't no mercy. 